The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Leave podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. We are talking Buffalo Bills football throughout the offseason, the long, arduous, never-ending offseason. And I say that because there's really no such thing as the offseason in the NFL. There's news constantly to dissect, uh, whether it's coaching hires, whether it's recently the news that the Bills got a little bit of a gift in the form of the salary cap going up about $13 million more from what it was expected to be. Uh, the Bills are still $41 million over that cap number, but they're going to be operating with a cap space of about $255 million heading into the 24th season. You know, I'm John Boccasino, by the way, and uh, Jamie D'Amico is my fine colleague. Jamie, it's crazy how, uh, you know, for all the concerns that people have about the viability of football and the future of football, the cap number went up $30 million magically. So I think the league and the shield are doing pretty all right for themselves. I would think so. And to all the people that seem to be upset about the presence of Taylor Swift, well, here's the upshot. You suddenly have people buying more jerseys, watching more TV, you know, especially football broadcasts bringing in new fans brings in the almighty dollar and the NFL is there for it. Oh yeah. And, and I'm all for Jamie uh, broadening the audience of the game. I mean, it's, it's such a tired cliched narrative, you know, men who want to crap on women for not knowing the game. I mean, some of the most knowledgeable bills fans I know are women who have really taken pride in knowing the X's and the O's and, and Taylor Swift brought in some of the outlier, the fringe fans who maybe never had watched a football game before or, you know, could tell you a slant from a draw uh, play on offense. Who cares? I mean, they're into the game and they're following their teams. And really, at the end of the day, that's going to benefit everyone who likes football, having more people of all backgrounds and all interest levels coming to the table to uh, to cheer on the Bills and cheer on their favorite team. So, Jamie, I am all for it. I, you know, I am too because we were all in that boat once when we were new fans and we didn't know the difference between a slant and a fade. So everybody gets in at their own pace. It, 
the bandwagon is large. And the thing that I don't like is when people say, well, I've been a fan longer, therefore I'm going to keep you out. Guess what? It's not your decision. <laughs> Dude, is there anything more? I mean, I'm sure there are, but right up there at the top of the list, football fans, and in particular, let's point out Bills fans, who claim to be the czars of what makes you a fan, what you have to <laughs> demonstrate to be a fan. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. We were all there at one point when we were early in our fandom. And there's no there's no reason that we can't have the big tent for everyone who wants to uh, to follow football and to cheer for the Bills and Bills Mafia. And uh, we are happy to be talking Buffalo Bills football again throughout the... It's It's hard to believe it's been more than a month uh, since the Bills lost in the playoffs in the divisional round to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it was an 11-6 and six regular season. The Bills captured their fourth straight AFC East championship. They rallied from a middling, frustrating start to the year. At one point, the Bills were 6-6 six and six and in 11th place in the AFC, but Buffalo got its act together, won their last five regular season games, won a home playoff game, for the fourth straight season. But unfortunately, as we all know, the postscript, uh, the Bills Super Bowl dreams came up short. Once again, the nemesis that is the Kansas City Chiefs knocked out the Bills. And at home, too, uh, the Bills lost 27 to 24 in the divisional round. It was the second straight year that Buffalo's season ended at home in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jamie, since the Bills got to that AFC title game, in 2020 they've been eliminated in the divisional round in each of the last three seasons and yes the bills do have josh allen who's arguably one of the top three quarterbacks in the league but josh and the bills have yet to make a super bowl appearance and while the bills super bowl window hasn't closed nor is it closing many fans are wondering if head coach sean mcdermott is squandering the peak seasons of josh's career so this week on the Bill Eve podcast, Jamie and I wanted to take a look back at the season that was and discuss one simple question that has a lot of complicated answers, in my opinion. And here it is. Was, could the 2023 Buffalo Bills season be considered successful? Jamie, start us off. I will start us off by saying the interesting thing to me is The answer to that question to many fans is binary. It's either a Super Bowl win or it's a disappointment. And I just don't think that you can look at it that way. And the reason being, only one team wins the Super Bowl each year. The Bills had a good shot at it, but so many things need to happen in order for that to occur. You need to be healthy. You need to have the ball bounce your way. You need to have the refs be on your side at the right times of certain games. So to say it was or was not a success based on the Super Bowl outcome, I don't want to call it disingenuous, but I do want to call it a little bit narrow of a scope due to what I just described and explained. Yeah, it's a very fair place to begin the conversation because it yeah you've got 32 teams only one of them at the end of the day can be the one that hoists the Lombardi trophy and in a in a sport that is so luck dependent and so dependent on health and you mentioned earlier you know the injuries I mean the remember when the bills were 
Um, and, and it's interesting because the injury dynamic, yes, the bills were struck. They were cursed by the injury bug because on defense, you know, the bills lost three of their biggest stars for prolonged periods of time. Uh, linebacker, Matt Milano and all pro uh, was lost for the season as was cornerback Trey white uh, defensive tackle. Daquan Jones missed 12 regular season games, but when he came back, I mean, the run defense was not the same. He wasn't the same player. It takes time for players to come back from injuries. So when you look at the, the, the injury front of it, a lot of people think the bills were one of the more injury riddled teams in 2023. And it's a yes and no answer. Cause actually, according to the Buffalo news survey, the bills had the 13th healthiest roster in the league. The problem was they were tied for the fourth most banged up on defense and had one of the healthiest offenses. So it really comes down to who can stay healthy the longest, who can have their key players contributing at a high level throughout this season. And Jamie, those facts right there I mentioned about the game's loss to injury, that's one of the biggest concerns I have about the inevitability that the NFL is going to expand and add another regular season game. Mm-hmm. How the hell you're going to get all your stars to make it through when now you're talking about playing an extra regular season game before a playoff quest begins too. And I did want to add on that Von Miller not getting back to his normal self makes a difference as well. So the Bills were down quite a bit of manpower. And I, I'm with you. The NFL season, I don't think, should have been expanded to 17 weeks. It's just greed by the NFL owners. But that's what billionaires do, right? They try to take everyone's money. I've never met a billionaire. I don't think I know any millionaires. But I can assume that money is something that you can never have enough of. And with a product like this, we just mentioned earlier the growth of the game, the growth of the audience. I mean, there's money to be made. So, of course, they're going to go and push and push and push to the fa- And you'll probably have expansion in new cities because new owners want to make money in those markets. And you'll we can barely have I, I don't know the number offhand, but I can't imagine there were more than half the teams that made it through the season with one starting quarterback, the same quarterback. In fact, I believe I read somewhere there were 77 different quarterbacks who started a game Ooh. this year. I mean, that's awful. Out of 32 teams, I mean, that that's every team starting at least two. Yeah, it's it's awful for the consistency of the game and it waters down the product. But um, for the sake of our, our conversation here, Jamie, so, I, and I appreciate your binary conversation. If I had to, and I'll give you my response too, but give me your, like, knowing that it's hard to put an answer uh, in a yes or no world, you know, given the caveats we mentioned and given the complexities of the league, but as, as a fan, as someone who has followed this team, you know, since back in the days of, you know, even, you know, Ronnie Harmon's postseason drop and, you know, the bungling uh, Buffalo bills going through two and 14 seasons, you know, back in 85, 86, you know, before the days got really good, you've got a good history and a good perspective, you know, with this bills team, how would you judge and answer that question? I would say I would start with my record prediction, which ended up dead on. I expected the Bills to be 11-6, and six, and I predicted that they wouldn't have as many wins as the previous year because the division got more difficult. Now, I assumed that the division was going to be 
better because the Jets had Aaron Rodgers, the Bills still managed to lose to an Aaron Rodgers-less Jets team. Uh, but I would say that I expected the Bills to go deeper into the playoffs before the season began. In the middle of the season, when they were six and six, I would say I, I would say I was feeling like it was a disappointing season. But the season is fluid, and they went on a winning streak after that, and then they got to the second round of the playoffs. But here's the thing. I didn't expect the Bills to win that game. I thought all along the Chiefs were a better team at that point in the season. Their defense had been outstanding all year. Their offense started to round into shape. So if they meet expectations, can that possibly be a disappointment? I would say no. I was not disappointed because everything shook out exactly the way I expected it to. Is that a success? Well, I don't think it's that either. Because a success would mean that you're exceeding expectations. A disappointment would mean you're falling below expectations. This fell right in line with what I envisioned happening. <laughs> I, I love the way you succinctly summarized my, my question because I kind of put you in a tough spot. Um, knowingly, because I wanted to hear your take uh, on this topic. And I think it's interesting. Some of the things you bring up are points that I agree with. I feel like the goalposts literally were moving, for me at least, as a Bills fan during the season. And case mm -hmm. in point, when the Bills blitzed the Dolphins at home on October 1st uh, in week four and week five, and the Bills were putting up 38 points a game on offense, my expectations were, this team is going to win the Super Bowl. They are looking gangbusters. Their offense is on fire. The defense was limiting teams. They were healthy. And then the factors um, that you can't control come into play. Matt Milano going down for the year. Trey White going down for the year. Daquan Jones with the pec injury. The Bills offense muddles itself through turnovers and self-inflicted wounds. And all of a sudden, the Bills are 6-6. Six and six. And if you had asked me... Um, and I remember getting home really late after the Denver Broncos fiasco uh, with the 12 men on the field and, you know, just the terrible game that the Bills. I mean, the first play of the game was a was a turnover. Uh, the Broncos had no right being in that game. And yet the Bills lose. Mm -hmm. They fire Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator. And at that moment when they're five and five or even at the moment when they're six and six after the overtime loss to the Eagles, my definitions of success would have been finding a way to salvage the season and sneaking into the playoffs. And yet, what did the Buffalo Bills do? They reeled off five straight wins. Now, they weren't all impressive. I mean, the mm -mm. Patriots game was not pretty. The Chargers game was not pretty. The Cowboys game was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, seeing Jerry Jones moping in the press box as his Cowboys just got uh, emaciated, if you will, by uh, by the Bills. I mean, they were made to look like a, a pathetic peewee football team coming to Western New York. Expectations <laughs> change over the course of the season and is my long-winded way of, of saying that it, you're right. It was ever-evolving during the course of the campaign. I thought it was a success when they were, again, off to that red-hot start. And then what I viewed as being successful changed based on how the team was performing and to rally from being in the dead at 11 in the conference to winning the number two seed 
and hosting the Chiefs. And I, Jamie, I will say this too. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. You and I are polar opposites in a lot of ways. And that Chiefs playoff game is a perfect example to me because yes, I drink the Kool-Aid and yes, I believe in this team a lot more than maybe I should given their pension for breaking my heart. But there was never a moment that I thought the Bills were going to lose that playoff game because they were at home, because they had been a resilient bunch, because they had 17 quarterbacking the squad. So I went through the exact opposite range of emotions as you, and and therefore I it's hard to say the season overall was a success when they didn't go further than they did last year. But much like we talked about with last year's team overcoming all that adversity, I think the Bills are one of the teams that closed the year on a very successful run. They just couldn't capitalize. If they had one more healthy linebacker out there, whether it's Terrell Bernard, God, if Matt Milano had been healthy throughout the whole year, I think they would have beaten the Chiefs and then totally give them an advantage over the Ravens in the AFC championship game. But those are all hypotheticals that will never get a chance to actually come to fruition. But I would say it was a success with an asterisk because it all depends again on what your expectations were for this team starting the year. And then once the year started, how things started progressing. So what do you feel was the thing that held them back the most? Was it Sean McDermott or was it injuries? Because a lot of people want to say the coaching was the problem. So here's what I'll say, Jamie. I I give McDermott credit for this. I honestly think he saved the season when he fired Ken Dorsey. And I know people could say, well, if the Bills had won that game, they're not going to fire Ken Dorsey after beating the Broncos, much like the San Francisco 49ers wouldn't have fired their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, if they had won the Super Bowl. That's a coward move that, San Francisco pulled at the end of their season, but the difference is Buffalo still had seven games to go in their season. There was still a chance they could make the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. I give McDermott credit for pushing the right buttons to save the season with that move. But I feel like more often than not, I don't, the injuries, I think the bills overcame the injuries quite nicely. I mean, uh, the defense really, what, what were the issues with the playoff game? the healthy defensive line didn't generate pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't banged up. They weren't depleted. They're the ones who, you know, cost the bills by not being productive uh, in the playoff game. Whereas Sean McDermott's coaching yet again, you had a game where he's going up against Andy Reid in the playoffs and he was out coached. I mean, the touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey, when the bills decided the bold strategy of not covering one of the two greatest tight ends <laughs> in history. That's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Well, it didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. You just quoted basketball. That's great. <laughs> Classic. One of my favorite movies to, to reference, and especially when it comes to a, a coaching decision like that. I feel, Jamie, this the Bills, and this is where, again, the Bills succeeded in spite of McDermott, I think, a lot. Um, defensively though, I'll give him a lot of credit. He coached up a team that was depleted. I mean, you're telling me with, they had AJ Klein linebacking the team, Mm -hmm. um, in the Steelers win and against the chiefs, he, he got a lot out of Terrell Bernard. Um, 
uh, Terrell Dodson, you know, the linebacking core played really well this year, but the defensive line is where it kind of came up short. And that's the unit that's had so much money invested in them. So long way of saying, you ask me if it was McDermott's fault or the injuries, I'll blame McDermott more than the injuries because the bills were still in a position in that divisional round game. And if Chris Jones doesn't get his one pressure of the day on that second down pass where Josh Allen had Khalil Shakir in the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown. I mean, circumstances, the Bills had the game right there for the taking. And that's, again, why I feel like you can't let the team off the hook by blaming injuries because they were right there. So you believe it was Sean McDermott's fault that Deion Dawkins got walked backwards? No, no, I don't, I don't want to say... I'm not blaming that. And that was the one pressure that Jones got all day. That was Deion Dawkins and the whole offensive line, by the way, as a side tangent, I I had these little notes prepared um, on successful part. And we'll, we'll do, we'll do future pods on what went right and what went wrong. And I know Jamie and Newt did a great one this week on what went right for the bills this season, but the offense, I'm not going to blame Sean McDermott for what happened with Deion Dawkins getting bull rushed by Chris Jones, but I will blame Sean McDermott for the ill-fated fake punt run with DeMar Hamlin. I will blame Sean McDermott for the play calling on the final sequence. Once Buffalo drove to the 46 and it seemed like, or sorry, once they drove to a 46 yard field goal potential, McDermott seemed to get complacent and say, okay, we'll play for getting a field goal and tying the game and ignoring the fact that you're giving Patrick Mahomes a minute 40 or whatever time he would have had and two timeouts to march downfield, just needing a field goal to win. That's where I blame McDermott in settling for the lowest situational outcome being a field goal versus playing aggressive more. And you know, the chiefs have limited the run in the second half. And yet what's he do on that first down play cook up the middle instead of getting creative or trying a different run pass option, or trying a play to Kincaid downfield, they did the same old, same old, and they got the same old, same old result. So Sean McDermott's calling offensive plays? No, I didn't say that. Oh, well, you seem to be blaming him for the play calling. I'm saying that he is the CEO of this football team, and as much as you know, you want to say that McDermott doesn't have a hand in everything that goes on, he... He does, though. He runs that team. And so if Joe Brady, McDermott is the one who has always preached wanting a more balanced offense. And in Mm -hmm. some ways, he got that over the first half of the season. But Josh Allen was also neutered. The turnovers were happening. Josh didn't feel comfortable. When Joe Brady took over as OC, he unleashed Josh Allen. So that's what I'm saying. I wonder if McDermott got in Brady's ear and was like, Yo, the whole game, Jamie, if you look at it, how many, uh, the downfield shots that Josh took, Diggs dropped the, the bomb that he should have caught. Yeah. Sherfield dropped a pass that he should have caught, although there also could have been pass interference called mm-hmm. on that. I'm just saying it has all the earmarks of McDermott demanding a more conservative offense than what the Bills were capable of producing and what Brady had displayed uh, since taking over after that Broncos loss. Mm, okay, gotcha. I because And I'm asking those questions because I, I have a little bit of a different take. I feel like the Bills would not have been in the season unless 
unless McDermott handled the adversity as well as he did and called such a good defense for the entire season. Yeah, there were breakdowns. I mean, the last game of the season is always the one where your warts come to the surface. And they did, for sure. Uh, you know, you saw that the Bills, you know, they they were really exposed in their inability to go downfield. You know, that is more of a personnel issue, I think, than anything, and possibly offensive design. But I think that the game plan of running the ball as much as they did, knowing how banged up the defense was going into that game, I thought that that was a shrewd decision because you needed to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes as much as possible. Now, I agree with you. They appeared to be playing for a field goal at the end. But even going back to that fake punt, there was an execution issue there on the blocking for sure because you were asking linebackers to block. You know, that's not what they do. But you kind of needed to do it because you had a punter who was injured. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and he, I mean, he was kicking terribly. So I, I wonder if he should have even been in that game. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, I don't think I, I blame McDermott. I think that there's a lot of things that need to break your way, and they didn't. McDermott could have influenced things in a more positive way, yes, but. If you look at the entirety of the chief seasons, you have these moments in which Andy Reid, you can look at Reid and say, well, he could have been better. But by all standards, Reid is the best coach in the NFL right now, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he had to learn some tough lessons along the way in order to get to that point. But, you know, even... Even he had questionable decisions, and I guess it, it kind of goes back to what they say, which is, you try something, if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's where, Jamie, I, I, like I said, I gave McDermott credit for pushing the right buttons. I mean, again, the Joe Brady move saved the season, in my esteemed opinion, when it mm -hmm. comes to you know keeping the offense on track. And he did such a phenomenal job with the mash unit that was the defense, but I guess one of the things that comes down on McDermott has to be how the defense yet again comes up short. I know they're banged up, but the chiefs were missing players. I mean, they lost tranquil during the course of the game. They mm -hmm. lost one of their edge rushers during the course of the game and they found a way. Whereas yeah. yet again, we're talking about another playoff exit where Buffalo's defense just didn't show up like we expected. And that all starts front and center. Even the guys who were incredibly reliable performers. I mean, Ed Oliver was a no-show mm -hmm. against the Chiefs. I mean, the whole defensive line, one of the highest paid units in football, no-showed yet again in a make-or-break game. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. So let me ask you the question. Was this season a success or a disappointment? 
I, my, you know what? My honest gut reaction is it was a disappointment. Um, it was a success at points during the season. It was a success again, based on the changing expectations I had. It's almost like this, Jamie. It's like, if you're, how do I want to describe this in a, a non-football analogy? If you're on the way, there's a job you're going for and okay. you know, you're not expected to make the cut, the, the, the qualifications you're, you've got the potential, but it's not right. You don't think you're the right candidate for it. And then they're like, Oh no, you've made it back to the final three and you make it to the final two expectations change based on the circumstances. And at the outset of the job process, you would have been happy just to make it to a final three. But then once you get there, disappointment sets in if you don't get the job. And I think that's kind of the same analogy I use for the bills. And unlike last year where I could, I could completely understand the team being emotionally and psychologically spent from all the emotional trauma and adversity they had to overcome this year. It was physical with the injuries, but they found a way they were right there. And that's why, like I, I, I make this point and I've said this before on the podcast too. I loved what the bills did on that last drive up until again, they got within field goal range because their goal, it seemed like was we are going to eat up the final eight minutes of this clock, score a touchdown and walk off Mahomes and the chiefs. Mm -hmm. So when it gets to that point there and I'm expecting the team to win, that's where to me, it's a disappointment because got it. I feel like the team just didn't, they, they had, um they came short of their, their goals and they came short of what I thought, they were in a position to do, which was to advance to the AFC title game. Okay. Got it. Uh, that, that makes sense to me actually. And I, Jamie, I want to say too, buddy, I, I, I appreciate the back and forth, uh, on this. I know a lot of times we can have similar opinions. And so we a do a lot, <laughs> which is like, okay, I agree with you. You made a great point and that's cool. That's fine. There are legitimate moments where we both think the same way. I liked this discourse of having something where it's like, now, hold on, let me push back on this a little bit. I think it adds for some cool content for us to discuss here. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Hey, man, I'm uh, glad to be um, uh, contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, Jim. You know, Buffalo Bills fandom is not for the faint of heart. And you know that. I know that. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's so, gosh, there's so many things you can point to and be like, we choose to put ourselves through this misery. There's that, uh, I'm going to completely butcher the origins of it, but there's like a, a meme where there's this like battered, beaten up, weathered old soul. And it's, this, you can change the quote up or you can change the uh, situation to suit your narrative, but he's wearing a Bill's hat. And he's basically like, I've survived the, the most you can throw at me and I'm still here. Let's go bills. And then he's talking to God and God is like, how are you still alive after all I've put you through? I love that. <laughs> uh, you know, so here, here's an interesting story from this past week. I went to a basketball game with, uh, with some friends from college the University of Dayton was playing George Mason University, and my alma mater, the Dayton Flyers, were number 16 in the country, which is awfully high for us. And my friend's son is nine years old, and 
the the Flyers were winning. They fell behind. They didn't score a basket for like eight or nine minutes, and it was obvious that they just they went flat during the game, and they started losing. And the little guy, the nine year old, got really upset and was so mad that he couldn't watch it anymore. And his mother had to take him out into the concourse. And afterwards, I said something to him, and all of a sudden, I started thinking to myself, "Huh, I think I need to take my own advice." What I said to him is, hey, don't, don't let this bother you that much. There's always going to be a, the next game. And, it, and if it's the last game of the season, there's always going to be the next season too. And what I was actually saying to him at that point was, yeah, okay, George Mason had actually, uh, historically speaking, the biggest win in their history during the regular season. They had never beaten a 16 before. Uh, but I, I was basically telling him that, you know, the Flyers still had the Atlantic 10 tournament. They still had March Madness that they're undoubtedly going to be in this year. You know, the next games are going to be more important than this one. And then I'm like, wow, I really need to look at it that way for my own fandom. There's always going to be another game. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wise, it's a wise lesson. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where. We talk about this, Jamie, the the psychology of a fan and the rationale that goes into, you know, I have a I have a friend who I went to high school with and I, I stayed close, you know, throughout my college years. He's an immigrant. Uh, him and his family are immigrants uh, to this country, and they never really got the appeal or the attraction of being a sports fan. And he would often say, well, why do you care about this team that really has no, it's not like you're going to have more money in your bank account. If they win, uh, it's not like, you know, your lot in life is going to improve if this team wins. And mm. he didn't get the whole like camaraderie, you know, I, I it's, I, it's hard to describe to someone who doesn't get sports, the glory, the magic that comes from being a fan. And I think that and that's what makes this whole sport and this podcast venture great is, we can be there for our fans and say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, if you think this was a success, awesome. Tell us why you think the Bills were successful. If you think it's a failure, it's okay. There's going to be another game. The team is – Josh is only going to be 27 or 28 when the season starts, and we know that Brandon Bean can work his magic beans to get the salary cap you know, more amenable for the Bills to make moves. But it's, it's something to focus on that – I don't know, distracts you maybe from like your job or, you know, if you're having health problems or if you're just going through tough times, that's why I love the power of Bill's mafia. I mean, Mm -hmm. Bill's mafia was always donates to opposing causes and opposing charities. And we support our own. I mean, look at the Tyler Bass uh, donations at, to the kitten uh, society, uh, 10 lives club in Western New York after he missed the field goal. Um, which again is not the reason the Bills lost the game, but short-minded people want to take that and and run with it. Same thing with the shooting that took place after the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. Oh, Bills yeah. fans were flooding the Chiefs' donation uh, setup to honor their rivals. I mean, that's something that you just don't see with other teams, and that's what makes Bills Mafia so special. And I know mm-hmm. that's a little off topic from what we were just recently discussing there, but. I wanted to kind of bring that up and 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 use you, Jamie, as a sounding board because you always are there to hear my rants. I'm always here to hear them. 
And I'm always here to deliver a rant. You know that. (laughs) H-E-R-E and H-E-A-R, baby. (laughs) Well, yeah, Jamie, it's, I don't know, it's hard, man. I feel like this has been a good therapy session to kind of talk through some things. And we have all off season to dissect, you know, what are the Bills going to do with their defensive tackles? Only one is under contract for this year. Are the Bills going to get their bounce back seasons from Stephon Diggs and Von Miller? You know, was Diggs' production dip an anomaly or a troubling trend? You know, there's so many storylines we'll dive into, but it's cool just to acknowledge the humanity and what makes sports so fun to root for. And I, I look forward to having this podcast convo with you each and every week, buddy. Buddy, we will get her done. And in summation, I'm satisfied you are not. Yes, way to bring it back to the, the picture, the, the big picture topic we're talking about here. I, I appreciate your uh, bringing it full circle. Bill's Mafia, we, like we mentioned, we are a freaking community and we need you to get involved with our podcast. We want to have some conversations with you all on social media, on Twitter. Uh, Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John Boccasino. What are your thoughts? Was this season a success or did it not meet your expectations? with how the year played out using your uh, criteria. We've given you our criteria. We want to hear from you on social media, Jamie, again, always great to have you on. And I feel like we, uh, we made some kind of process, uh, some progress towards healing with this conversation. I, I felt the same. Thank you, my friend. Hey, the, consider this session on the house. And uh, for <laughs> our Bill's mafia listeners, please come back. We will be taking next week off. And then once the calendar turns towards March, we will dive headlong into the off season here on Bill Leave, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.